Welcome to Shortcut to Sunday. I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And we are coming to you not live from Holy Family Episcopal Church in Fishers, Indiana. And this is your podcast for Holy Week. We're going to do something a little special here. And uh, we're, we're, we're tackling an entire week instead of a very specific uh, 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 Sunday. And uh, we're going to discuss um, what Holy Week means. Not necessarily get into the readings of it, but just kind of discuss... Uh, the concepts behind it, some of the, I'm assuming some of the uh, the, the practices that are that surrounded mm-hmm. these services, where right. they come from, what they mean, why you're absolutely 100% required to go uh, per in the edict from handed down by God. Uh, probably, maybe not that last one. Probably not the last one. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but uh, but but hopefully to explain uh, um, some of the some of the services and and, and what they are they, what they are intending to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so that uh, so that you don't you know you, you, if you don't uh, make it do you understand like where we are in the uh, in, in the storyline yeah um, and I guess uh, that's kind of one way to begin to approach it is really this is this is kind of because a, a large chunk of many of the gospel readings uh, come down to um, um, these series of like four or five days uh, right. week, th- th- this week long uh, story a large chunk of the gospel is. Uh, uh, is are these few days here, right? Um, and and so we're kind of there's a lot to go into as yeah. far as and most well all four gospels aim towards Holy Week mm-hmm. that they all have dimensions of this of the story of Jesus as he walks through Galilee as he mm-hmm. is doing his teaching and the depending on the gospel one to three years of his um, public ministry. Mm-hmm. All of those are pointing towards the events of Holy Week, and right. so um, it's it's just one of those key experiences and um, this really the center of Christianity. Right. So so as far as uh, thinking of the books of the New Testament go, yeah, uh, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. That's the 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 this their books start uh, and focus on different things, but all of them come down to you're right as, as you said, like kind of this as the focal point. Right. And then the books of the New Testament after the Gospels are more uh, aftermath, what the things that play, take place after, yeah, and really more focus on yeah. how the the church forms and how it spreads and the mm-hmm. you know the Gospel of Christ and focuses on the different disciples and their um, um, interactions with their their surrounding community yeah how they did evangelism how did they tell people about the christ event so really holy week uh i don't know if that's official but it kind of seems as though the story starts with uh palm sunday which we we that is official is that official okay i wasn't entirely (laughs) sure if that counted uh, yes it was was, uh the the last the last sunday in lent uh kind of kind of a um uh rides that weird line uh, in a way because you're still in Lent, but you have this triumphal entry. Well, actually, <laughs> or does Lent end? There are two different traditions now in Christianity, but historically Lent ended the day before Palm Sunday. Okay, okay. And Holy Week takes over. There are some Christians who, <clears throat> who count Lent differently mm-hmm. and say that because in Lent the Sundays don't count, then you have to include Holy Week. Gotcha. That it's it's tomato tomato. I got gotcha. you. That makes sense. Well, I, I actually the, to, uh, for personal preference, I like the, uh, the the idea of Palm Sunday not being part of Lent, just because it, it's it's a weird theme shift to uh, to to go through when you have this somber you know 
contemplative uh, Lent experience, and then you have this, you know, joyful entry, which yeah. kind of, you know, it's a big switch. Well, and I think part of the um, dynamics around that that are quite intentional is that Palm Sunday is supposed to give us a big lift to give us the energy and the spiritual dynamism mm -hmm. to walk through Holy Week fully. Mm -hmm. That it's it's a nice boost to give us the the spiritual focus, the um, emotional energy to be able to really enter into the, the particularly the difficulty of truly contemplating Jesus's betrayal, arrest, suffering, and death. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of swings that go yeah. on through Holy Week. Um, um, you know, obviously ending in 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 Easter, which is a giant celebration right but uh it's the ultimate you go you, you what, what is it it's always darkest before the dawn yeah <laughs> and and uh and uh and uh that's that's kind of what the parts of this uh, of the the holy week celebration are are about it's, it's oh yeah it, it's a it's it's a pretty dark time um so uh the the first real um service that that gets notoriety is uh, we, we there there are liturgies and and stuff for like Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. They are, right. <clears throat> but uh, we really get going with Monday, Thursday. Right. So uh, Thursday is a word that I recognize. <laughs> Monday, uh, which sounds like a mispronounced uh, uh, Monday, uh, where does that come from? I've always wondered uh, what does Monday, Thursday uh, refer to? Well, it this it's Monday Thursday is the day that we remember a variety of things. Uh, one of the things is the what we call the institution of the Last Supper, which mm -hmm. is the first Holy Eucharist, Holy mm -hmm. Communion service, mm -hmm. um, and that is the the day when, depending on the gospel, Jesus shared the. Uh, Passover meal or a early Passover meal mm -hmm. um, and with the disciples and it's the one that we now copy whenever we celebrate the Holy Eucharist as we call it in the Episcopal Church mm -hmm. um, and um, the word Monday comes from the French word for commandment because hmm. Jesus, at the end of the Last Supper, uh, said, do this in remembrance of me. Yeah. And hmm. so um, it's fulfilled. Whenever we celebrate the Holy Eucharist, we are fulfilling that commandment. We are remembering that. And it's considered one of the easiest and bestest commandments to fulfill. Yeah. Because uh, it's easy. Because we simply have to be receptive of the blessed bread and wine. Mm-hmm. And it's fulfilling because we literally get to take into ourselves the real presence of Jesus Christ and therefore be nurtured spiritually. Right. Well, then uh, let me ask a, let me ask a uh, um, maybe a naive question. If that's the case, like we, we you know, we celebrate that uh, every, you know, every Sunday. We right. Have, we, we, we have this. So why have a service uh, uh, once a year that, uh, around uh, celebrating this this time? Is it simply just to to uh, to, to to reinstall it for the year, or is it uh, like what's the uh, uh, well, what's the purpose there? 
it's to reinstall it for the year. That's an interesting, you know, interesting way to put it. Reboot it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, the second thing is that the other dimension of the service is the institution of ministry, particularly ordained ministry, and the servanthood ministry. Mm -hmm. Jesus washes the feet of his disciples in the Gospel of John. And so there, we don't often get a chance to talk about why do, we, why, do we, why do we receive the Eucharist and what form should we perform ministries? Why are we doing this? Gotcha. And so Monday, Thursday is a time to say, why are we doing this every week? Monday, Thursday is a time to say, what is the proper attitude and um, exercise of ministry? And that is a, as a servant to all. And the mm -hmm. Eucharist brings us into both of those. Interesting. Very interesting. So lay ministry is involved as well. And, uh, oh, and, yeah. So, and, so tell me a little bit about that then. Yeah. In the um, Monday, Thursday services that reach the popular media, like the recordings of the ones taking place in the Vatican, the Roman Catholic Church, there's usually the visuals are of priests and bishops and the Pope celebrating and thanking God for their ministries. But Jesus was really talking about the ministry of all people, mm -hmm. including lay people, that we are all called to be servants to one another. Those who have more authority, lay or ordained, are especially called to humility on Monday, Thursday, since historically we know how easy it is to have ordained ministry or even um, professionalized lay ministries mm -hmm. become so high and mighty that they lose sight of their servanthood, and and frankly, the ministry becomes corrupted. Then, hmm. so that's a, so it really does uh, uh, act kind of as a reset and kind of a return to center. And uh, very much. Uh, although so. I, I I'm extraordinarily humble constantly. Yeah, yeah you don't have to come to church then. <laughs> Good, yeah, done. Yeah, actually, you do, but <laughs> you, you still reason. encourage it. I yeah. understand. Yeah. I understand. Yeah. Uh, so okay, yeah, interesting, and and. Uh, any any other aspect of uh, Monday Thursday like that that uh, that that we wouldn't want to know or well one thing I, I failed to mention is specifically is that to remind the clergy um, who in the Episcopal tradition tend to be front and center a lot mm -hmm. specifically to remind the clergy to be humble and that we are to be servants of all the clergy wash the feet of any congregation members who choose to have their feet washed right right and I think I. Uh, for, from my perspective, it's uh, extraordinarily important to point out that it, it, that aspect of the service is not a requirement. Right. There it are is, people that would not be comfortable with that. Yeah. I'm, I have to admit, I'm one of them. Yeah. Uh, not, not, not a big fan of feet touching. <laughs> yeah. <and laughs> Either so, receiving or giving. <laughs> just not my, not my deal. Completely optional. And, <laughs> uh, and it, it's something that congregations ask to uh, watch mm -hmm. and pray during but it's not at all mandatory yeah. that they participate. Uh, and, and, and intended to remind uh, us all of a position of servanthood and, right. and uh, making ourselves last. This, and this may sound a little facetious, but I'm, I'm, I'm 90% serious. Perhaps a more meaningful liturgy today would be is if the, the congregation gathered outside the restrooms and the clergy cleaned the restrooms top to bottom. Mm. You know, we, some kind of task that denotes... A low status, right? Uh, have the congregation witness the the leadership doing that, 
to mm -hmm. so that everyone's reminded that leadership within the church within Christianity is always of a servanthood um, style mm -hmm. if it's being done faithfully. Interesting. Well, yeah, it's it's a um, thinking back to that period of time, washing your feet. It would have been if I'm uncomfortable with it now, this day and age, with a you know foot care and and, and <laughs> yeah. everything and what have you. Uh, way back then, that would have been like the lowest of the low. Like yeah. that's that's cleaning cleaning out the the pigsties. That's the mm -hmm. you know that's the that's the the symbolism of of really can't get any lower <laughs> yeah and and people who were the first listeners to john's gospel where this event takes place mm -hmm. would have been well aware uh, that if a sir if a household had servants right the lowest servant was the foot washer of mm. the household so uh it it was not just the actual act of washing a feet but putting oneself in the role of the servant who was lowest in the in the hierarchy of mm -hmm. The household, and that and that kind of follows along with. I'm, I'm not entirely sure if the reading itself is is uh, uh, in the same area, but uh, um, talking about the first shall be last, uh, um, um, also yep. kind of has has a um, very much in that theology, yeah. Which which comes up periodically in different places throughout the gospel. Yeah, it's quite reg regularly there. And the disciples continue to not really quite understand that, which is uh, just like uh, hilarious to me. <laughs> <laughs> First, shall be last. Yeah, 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 yeah. But am I going to be at the right hand right. Uh, on the throne? Is it, you know, is it? Come on, do I get guy? a Chevy or a Mercedes? Right. Do I, is there something I could do to, uh, to, to, to be made a little higher in your right. kingdom? Like, no, that's, you're missing the point, but yeah. that's all right. Those, you want to get higher? Come wash feet. Uh, never mind. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. I'm going to ignore right. that part. Right. <laughs> very good. Very good. Well, then, uh, so then. Monday, Thursday is Thursday. Right. Uh, good Friday is Friday. Uh, what is what is so good about Good Friday? It is the day that salvation uh, was clearly opened up mm -hmm. for all humanity through Jesus Christ. It's the day that uh, Jesus was died on the cross, mm -hmm. and before that, uh, suffered through the trials, the beatings and whippings on by the Romans, um, was. You know, about the worst experience that a modern American could imagine for mm -hmm. an innocent human to go through. And, of course, uh, the ultimate event was Jesus' actual death on the cross, which there were people around Jesus, and some even argued Judas himself, uh, who betrayed Jesus uh, to the Romans. Um, some thought at the time that Jesus could not die. Mm. And mm -hmm. so for some, it was a real eye opener right. that the, this person who they believed the Messiah was successfully killed by the Romans. And I think we kind of had touched on that once before yeah. about Judas uh, potentially being a, a motivating factor for his yeah. quote unquote betrayal. It wasn't, I mean, perhaps he wasn't intending to necessarily betray, but he was trying to force, force the uh, issue, force try the to issue. accelerate the process of the, uh, Messiah be starting an uh, earthly kingdom. Mm -hmm. So a lot of that doesn't sound good. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, many people say it's quite ironically uh, named. I've heard at least a half dozen stand-up comedians use it in their secular acts. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and um, 
The major reason that it's there, the title is there, is to first of all make a stop and once again reset mm -hmm. uh, what we think of Jesus' death and to remind us that it doesn't end with Good Friday. Right. That Jesus, the story of Christianity, the story of the followers of Jesus does not end with the death of Jesus, even though the Romans thought that would end this story, but of course instead picks up on Easter. Yeah, it, it, it and, and, uh, um, that's kind of a theme that has carried over. If I if I may give ourselves a, a, a bit of criticism, and I think you and I have spoken about this before, maybe not on this podcast, but uh, um, I think as, as as Christians, a lot of times we have a tendency to focus on the 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 uh, the sacrifice of crucifixion, uh, which kind of lends itself to you know this good Good Friday uh, um, um, service, and and. Uh, uh, in a way, kind of gloss over, uh, maybe not gloss over, but not give uh, uh, Easter its due. Of that's right. that's really where all the power, the fulfillment of of the promise uh, occurs is is that that uh, overcoming mm -hmm. uh, uh, death uh, and uh, uh, Good Friday is the means to an end, uh, not so right. much uh, um, the 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 point of uh, of uh, perhaps the point of of, of uh, what is it I want to say? Like, it shouldn't, it shouldn't, that's not the, the part of the story that needs to be elevated. It's the, yeah. it was, uh, part of the, the dynamic is you, you can't have the resurrection of Jesus without the death of Jesus. Right. But you also should not ponder the death of Jesus terribly long before starting to ponder the meaning of the resurrection. Right. They really are by the gospel writers and, um, good Christian theology. Cause there's some bad theology out mm -hmm. there. Uh, they are intended to be thoroughly intertwined. Mm, and mm -hmm. so we sort of um, do Good Friday with a wink of saying, yes, we're going to spend this time focusing on Jesus' death in part to remind us that God is present with us even in our worst times. Right. And that's only meaningful if we remember the resurrection of Jesus and God's ongoing healing um, repairing redemptive work in our own lives. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, now, would this be uh, a good, I think this might be a good time to also discuss uh, um, the um, the passion reading itself. Mm -hmm. And in, in a way, uh, some of the problematic nature of, of the passion reading. Um, this year, we didn't do the passion reading on on Palm Sunday specifically the the, the you know from the book of John uh, do you right. want to discuss a little bit as to why that was the sure. decision yeah um, admittedly historically uh, for centuries the reading of Jesus's betrayal and arrest his trials his torture and his death has been read from the book of John on Good Friday. Mm -hmm. And so we are consciously taking a step away from that and reading instead the one from the Gospel of John. In part because... Wait, was that right? The, we're I'm not sorry. Re reading... We're reading from the Gospel of Luke. Yes. Thank oh, okay. you. There, yes. That's why we have an editor sitting across the table from <laughs> Ben saves me. Uh, we're reading from the Gospel of Luke, and we will, for the next um, two years, read from a different 
uh, one of the first three Gospels. Mm -hmm. So this year will be Luke, next year Matthew, the next year Mark, so that we can get the perspectives of those Gospels mm -hmm. on the reading of the, on the um, events uh, that led to Jesus's death. And one of the reasons for that is that the reading from the Gospel of John historically has caused anti-Semitic events, mm -hmm. where at times in earlier days, admittedly a couple hundred years ago, for the most part, crowds would leave churches after hearing the Gospel of John and its repeated uh, criticisms of the Jews for causing the crucifixion of Jesus. Crowds mm -hmm. would leave churches and burn synagogues. And we certainly... Uh, think that's deplorable and a huge misinterpretation of what John was trying to communicate. But at the same time, we have to be honest as Christians about what our sacred texts have caused. Right. And be willing to round out with texts that are just as valid, the other, mm -hmm. four, the other three Gospels, uh, stories of how Jesus died, and therefore broaden our own spirituality, our own perspectives on how Jesus died, and allow us to have a breather from the texts in John that have been misused. And we've, we've kind of delved into uh, this idea before of, of it, quite, quite frankly, it's one of the reasons why we do the podcast, is to, to uh, display the differences between the authors and what their, what their points are. Right. In fact, just a couple of weeks ago, we had, had, had the discussion about how, um, um, actually, it was for Palm Sunday, come to think of it. It was uh, uh, how, how the gospel was uh, inclined to tell the story that it was the disciples who were, who were, uh, uh, making the noise during the, you know, mm -hmm. during the, uh, the, the triumphal entry, uh, and the reason why that might be. So, um, to give John his due as to why his gospel reads that way, can you go into a little bit of the historic sure. perspective as to why the, uh, the Jewish people in Jerusalem are, uh, made the bad actors uh, in 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 this gospel reading. Why he might have written it that way, uh, mm -hmm. and uh, so that we can understand um, that historical sure. perspective. Uh, two reasons. One is John is the last gospel written of the mm -hmm. four we have in the Bible, and by this time, the temple in Jerusalem had been destroyed. Mm -hmm. So essentially, institutional Judaism had been destroyed. Gotcha. That. This is around 60, 70 AD? 70, yeah, 70, 70 AD. AD is when okay. the temple was destroyed. And John was probably written about 20 years later. Okay. And so the Gospel of John is being written in a context where the people who were being written about as residents of Jerusalem were scattered. Jerusalem was a smoldering ruin. Okay. And so it was quickly becoming a distant memory. And... In that way, it was irrelevant who did what, mm. because all the people who had been in Jerusalem were not there to uh, be criticized. Gotcha. They were probably literally killed by the Romans. Mm. So what was convenient for the writer of John, and perhaps this is how people were truly beginning to see things, was to let the Romans off the hook because the Romans were who Christians had to deal with as the oppressor. Right. And it perhaps preserved the lives of Christians who were, might have been caught either listening to or actually reading the Gospel of John 
lives saved their lives, that it criticized the Jewish leaders rather than the Roman leaders as the first three Gospels focus on. Right. So it, it may have been a life-saving measure on John's part to shift the focus from the Romans, who were still killing people left and right and center. Right, and not entirely sure how they felt about the Christian church. Oh, the Christian church was thoroughly treasonous mm -hmm. because they declared Jesus as the king of kings rather than Caesar. Right. So, um, yeah, so the, the Romans were quite happy to kill Christians frequently and in entertaining ways to the crowds, the throwing them to lions, crucifying them on the roadways, that sort of thing. And so if the writer of John could lessen that even just a bit mm -hmm. by putting the blame on people who no longer existed, either as individuals or in their roles, mm -hmm. so there were no longer high priests, there were no longer scribes, all those roles were gone because of the destruction of the temple, John might have been saving the lives of some of the followers of Jesus. Interesting. That's a, that's a very interesting uh, uh, um, um, thing to discuss, and and something I think, quite frankly, that we we lose track of. I mean, yeah. we get we get uh, we get caught up into the you know the story, and we something that we know very well, and and it and it it, it is a it, it's a, I think it's a good thing to take a step back every now right. and again and understand uh, the context in which some of these were written, the potentially the the um, intentions of the author uh, himself and, and uh, why. What were the uh, needs of the Christian right. community for whom the author was writing? Right, 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 right. Yeah. So, so, because so, I mean, I think a lot of times we have this, you know, this tendency to take these writings and, and like, oh, these were written for us, you know, today. This is what it, this is what the, the, the author is trying to tell us, you know, 2,000 years later. Or even more it, strongly, I think, is a temptation to say this is a, this is an exact event for event history. Mm -hmm. And particularly with the Holy Week stories, since they occur in all four Gospels, there are differences. Oh, absolutely. And, so, and I think the differences are fascinating. And they're fascinating, and I think they're meaningful, mm -hmm. and I don't think we're supposed to ignore them or whitewash them. Right. But the particularly in the uh, early part of the 20th century and a little bit in the uh, late 1800s, there was a huge move to what was called harmonizing the Gospels mm. and figuring out which parts were true and selecting uh, only a single narrative, even if you had to combine pieces. Right. And it, it really led a lot of Christians off track as to what the Gospels actually said. Yeah. No, that's a, it, yeah, I, I agree. I think that's, a, that's, that's an interesting point. And, and hopefully a point that um, is, is, is not just made here in, in the Episcopal Church, but, but uh, a point that others can can open right. open themselves up and, to this is not a this is not specifically an episcopal no, church point of view there are millions of christians around the world who hold this view mm -hmm. yeah so um that's good friday mm -hmm. uh pretty somber experience uh uh then we get into holy saturday or or easter vigil Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, what's, what's the difference there? Uh, this is, this is, uh, this is after the crucifixion. Right. Um, and, and what's the, what's the, what are we, uh, meant to draw from this, uh, from this service, from this experience? So Holy Saturday is two things. One, it's the generic term for the Saturday between Good Friday and, and Easter day. Uh, but also it has taken on. A connotation that if you say Holy Saturday, you are probably referring to the uh, 
a very short service that reminds people of this day of nothing happening. Mm. That, emptiness. Yeah, emptiness. That's huh. a good way to put it. And to to take that day as a quiet day, as a day of contemplation, of a day of emptiness. Again, even though we know that resurrection is about to happen, mm -hmm. uh, so that we free ourselves of the distractions of our day-to-day -day lives and are ready to receive the joy of the resurrection uh, wholeheartedly and without the distractions or our preconceptions that yeah. we might carry into it. So that's, that's Holy Saturday. The Easter Vigil takes place nowadays often on Holy Saturday, mm -hmm. but technically it's supposed to take place uh, in the pre-dawn hours of Easter. Oh, okay. It's, it's the first Easter celebration. But for convenience, um, I don't know for how many hundreds of years, to tell you the truth, it's often been celebrated at some point on, on in the second half of Saturday. Mm -hmm. uh, often in the evening, in at least the uh, Western countries. But um, it's a service, the Easter Vigil, is a service that's designed to remind us of God's ongoing work from the very creation of existence mm -hmm. to its culmination in the resurrection of Jesus. This is this is a this is the uh, the, the service where we do a lot of readings. We do a lot of readings. We uh, do at least twice as many as we normally do. Right. There are um, some worshiping communities that will do, I believe, as many as twelve. Yeah. yeah. We don't do nearly that many. <laughs> Um, there are options within mm -hmm. our, our liturgical guidelines. Uh, but the, we're supposed to hit the high points of God creating everything, God being, God choosing to be revealed to the um, people, which takes place initially through Abraham mm -hmm. in terms of after the early creation stories, um, including uh, Noah and that generation of humanity, uh, which was hundreds of years after creation. but. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You only have so much time in an evening right. to do all these readings. Uh, hitting the Passover experience of the um, Jews being freed from slavery in Egypt and walking the through the essentially the final events of the Hebrew Scriptures of the Old Testament as shown in the book of Isaiah, which we've been reading a lot through mm -hmm. Lent. Mm -hmm. uh, then after those readings there is the beginning of the first Eucharist of Easter. And that's when we'll first hear the resurrection story right. during, during the Holy Week um, celebrations. At the very beginning of the service, we light what's called the Paschal candle, Paschal mm -hmm. meaning Easter. Mm -hmm. And we keep that lit through the entire Easter season, which is 50 days long. And at the Easter vigil service, people get uh, personal candles that they get to take home. They're not mm -hmm. expected to keep them lit that long. They won't last. But it's a, a nice uh, symbolic thing to take home. Yeah. Um, often at the Easter Vigil, there are baptisms. As far as I know, we won't have any at Holy Family this year, but there's still time to plan one if, if one comes up. But in the early days of the church, after the church became legal, it was considered the very bestest service to be baptized at. So uh, we've... Resurrected that tradition. Ah, ah, I see what you did there. Um, in the liturgical churches of um, Roman Catholic, Episcopal, 
mm -hmm. um, the Orthodox, the Lutherans to some degree. Uh, we've resurrected that tradition in the uh, last roughly 50 years mm -hmm. and encourage people if they want to be baptized to be baptized either Easter Vigil or on Easter Day. So it's a, it's a fascinating service. There's lots of visual aids during mm -hmm. it. Um, there's darkness, there's light, there's holy water. Um, it, there's the Eucharist, so bread and wine and water again. So it, it, for many people, it's their very favorite service of the church year. But it's kind of the advanced course, I have to admit. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a that, that's a fair point. Um, so so it it's interesting to me that uh, then that distinction between Holy Saturday and Easter Vigil because yeah, as, as for Holy Saturday, the the perspective that at least I have is is just thinking about the individuals and uh, in, uh, the other individuals involved in mm -hmm. the the Easter story of you know. Where, how they, what were they doing? What and 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 the sudden realization because I don't think anybody, the gospels go out of their way to to time and again mention every time that Christ talks about like, you know, this is what was going to have to happen. This is you know so that the the prophecies could be fulfilled. Blah mm -hmm. blah blah. They, it always says, and they didn't understand. Right. Uh, so that that kind of informs us that here on Holy Saturday, the disciples are sitting around going. What in the world just happened? What does this mean? Like we thought this was, you know, th things were going to go this way, yeah. and they're not, and we're completely rudderless at this point, and and probably terrified that we're next, and uh, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and just this giant sense of being lost. And then Easter Vigil kind of comes along, and it's kind of more of the story of like, okay, well, let's. You know, uh, let's reflect on where we've been, and it ends with that sudden realization of like, wait, the the, the stone is rolled away, right? And you know that you know to to be able to take then into context the entire uh, uh, written history uh, mm -hmm. of the Bible up to that point, and be able to the uh, uh, implying kind of like the disciples are finally able to take a step back and be able to see. Right, that the big picture and have that sudden aha moment of, oh, see how these stories intertwine. See where we came out of nothing. See where we came to the promised land. See where these promises were fulfilled. See where, you know, the the, yeah. the you know, and finally understanding so that Easter morning we can finally claim a resurrection and be like, I get it now. <laughs> I am so hopefully, glad. hopefully, <laughs> you know, um, you know, to, uh, but, but as, but as, you know, God's disciples, you know, ourselves or God's, God's people are, uh, ourselves, that's that we're, we're kind of following along in, in those footsteps and, and having that aha moment of our, of our own. And many times in the Hebrew scriptures and the stories <clears throat> chosen to be read at the Easter vigil, and there's a set list it may the stories have the theme of we thought we were completely lost, but God saved us. Right. <clears throat> there was a plan. There was something that we didn't understand. There was yeah, something. There things happened we that we had care no of. way of anticipating. Right. And which obviously is part of the cycle of Good Friday Easter. Good Friday Easter that we experience again and again in our personal mm -hmm. lives. And the, the I just want to go back for one moment to the what were the apostles doing? The disciples doing after Jesus died in, and I'm forgetting off the top of my head which gospel it is, um, it's one of the first three, it's pretty clear that the apostles went back to Galilee and started fishing again. 
mm. because that was the way they first experienced the resurrection of Jesus uh, was in they were fishing and Jesus appeared. Mm -hmm. And in the Gospel of John, it's it's very clear because of how John describes the whole setting that the um, apostles stayed in Jerusalem and locked themselves up because they thought they were next. Mm -hmm. And that's where they first experienced the resurrected Jesus. Mm -hmm. And a theme that runs through more than one gospel is Mary Magdalene in the garden on Easter morning being the first right. to witness the resurrection of Jesus and mm -hmm. encounter the resurrected Jesus. And so one of the neat things we know by looking at how many different resurrection stories there are just within these four gospels, how generous Jesus was in appearing to people after he was resurrected. Mm -hmm. And gospels, we even say there's so much more than this, but we just don't have enough pages to tell you all. Um, so, what the apostles and other followers did on that Holy Saturday is probably spread across the board of, mm -hmm. of there probably were some people waiting, um, but there were other people who were running for their lives. Mm -hmm. And again, it's a metaphor or an example for us at different times in our lives. We might take either one of those actions right. in response to the biggest challenges. But if we're able instead to wait through a Holy Saturday with God, we will experience a resurrection of some kind. Mm -hmm. Well, that pretty much uh, covers Holy Week. Right. Uh, that's uh, um, Easter Sunday is a different podcast mm -hmm. that'll come out uh, next. Uh, but uh, but for Holy Week, that's kind of the, the we've kind of spanned the breadth of human emotion in, <laughs> right in, in in this one week, uh, which is kind of a kind of an interesting uh, interesting experience and by design. Exactly. Um, uh, and, so. Just to be clear in this podcast, we've only scratched the surface. Yeah, this is this is by by no means an an exhaustive uh, uh, encyclopedia of of uh, the, the the Holy Week experience. Or, or I'll be happy if it's just fairly accurate. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I agree. Um, so, um, but the. If uh, if you're listening to this and it's caused you to, to, to have a question, uh, feel free uh, to. Uh, we, we encourage you to come to the to the services uh, this week. Uh, ask uh, Father Bruce. Uh, sure. uh, put him on the spot. Uh, you're also welcome to to email us at uh, shortcut at hfec.org. If you have a question, we'd be happy to to uh, to either answer it uh, on the air, off the air. Um, uh, I say we, as in like, a, I will pass the email right, along. Right, you read it out loud. <laughs> <laughs> read it out loud, uh, and uh, and shut up and listen for the answers. But uh, um, but uh, but yeah, we we definitely encourage you to have uh, uh, some interactivity with uh, with this podcast, and hopefully it's it's caused you to uh, think uh, maybe a little differently about the the, the services. Uh, uh, if you get to experience them, maybe it'll 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 color that experience for you. Uh, differently this year or, or, or enrich it in some way. Um, but uh, we really appreciate you joining us. And this, uh, like I said, this was your podcast for Holy Week. And we look forward to speaking with you next time. I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And I'll just add one thing. the On Thursday, Friday, and Saturday evenings, the services are at 7 p.m. All at 7. All at 7. Just make it a, ha a habit. Right. <laughs> Set your reminder. There you go. All right. Well, we'll talk to you next time. And uh, have a great week. Bye.